Episode here. It is Thursday, March 23rd. Pretty nice day, 40 something degrees in Burleson, Texas. Um, got a decent show lined up today. A few interesting facts here and there. And uh, about four, four news articles today. So, quite a bit of reading. and stick around. Thanks for tuning in again. Hope y'all had a good week. Let's go ahead and get started. Start up with real time. Real time. Real time. Okay, we're gonna do The Party, starring Peter Sellers. The Party. It's a movie done in 1968. It's a color film. Hour and 39 minutes long. <clears throat> Description goes as follows. Hollywood Mogul, Mogul Fred Clutterbuck isn't just giving a party, he's giving THE party. Absolutely everyone who's anyone will be there. Gorgeous models, ravishing starlets, powerful producers, even a baby elephant. And by mistaken invitation, accident-prone Indian actor Harundi V. Bakshi, which is Peter Sellers, will be there too. He wouldn't miss it for the world, and if you enjoy side-splitting gags, says Leonard Moulton, and breakneck action from the box office, office, neither should you. This uproariously funny send-up of Tinseltown snobbery pairs the trademark antics of Sellers with shrewd comic timing from producer, director, co-writer, together with Tom and Frank Waldman, Blake Edwards. If you're looking for a good time, come to the party. Um, it also is co-starring Claudine Leger and uh, a bunch of others. It is personally one of my favorite Peter Sellers movies, and I would recommend that you go check it out, because it is well worth it. Okay. How's everybody today? Good? Good. Um. Hmm. The weather is crazy. Um. Just when you think it's, uh, summer. Jumps right back to winter again. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Um. Not a whole lot to talk about right now. Um, be sure and, uh, if you have, uh, any questions or if you would like your yard done, be sure and contact Clean Cut Lawn Service. You can contact them by email. I gave you the phone number last time, but I've changed it to email. Wingman, W-I-N-G-M-A-N, 1978 at yahoo.com. Email your address and any questions, whatever, and uh, send that to um, Clean Cut Lawn Service as the subject. Uh, as for myself, if you have any questions, comments, uh, you just want to contact me, 
I don't know, because you're bored? Email me at poor old Lou. That's poor, P-O-O-R, underscore O-L-D, underscore L-U-1-7 at yahoo.com. I would love to hear from any of y'all, and I would be glad to answer anything that y'all may have. Poetry Corner. Poetry Corner. Today's poem from Flodimus, 110 to 40 BC. This was written. It's called You Cry, Wine, Peer Strangely at Me. It goes like this You cry, wine, peer strangely at me. You're jealous, cling, and clutch, kiss too much. Now that's a lover, but when you say, here I am, and just lay back, you make me wonder. It's time for Word of the Day. Today's word, recuperate. R-E-C-U-P-E-R-A-T-E. It's a verb. It means to regain health after an illness. Recuperate. And now, my favorite part of the day, the three-minute update, which usually lasts six minutes. Today's news... We'll go ahead and start with this one. Hungry hawks nest atop Capitol. This is in Austin, Texas. This is some local news. Austin, Texas. Two red-tailed hawks are making themselves a home, at home, atop the Texas Capitol Dome in Austin. Capitol curator Ollie James said maintenance workers have found the beginnings of a nest at the base of the dome's northern side. The airborne hunters are also occasionally seen roosting on the star held aloft by the statue of the goddess Liberty atop the dome. Valerie Statz is executive director of Austin's Travis Audubon Society. She said the hawks are often found in urban areas atop utility poles from which they scan their surroundings for prey. The new home is prime real estate for hungry hawks right next to Capitol Park. The raptors often go for squirrels or pigeons, which are plentiful on the tree-shaded capital grounds. And they usually lay two eggs each year. A federal law bars tampering with the habitat of hawks. So you can't kill the hawks, huh? It's good hunting. I'm kidding. I didn't know anything about hunting. Next... Next article is brought to you by the Associated Press. This is World News. Australia uses fighter to sink drug ship. Sydney, Australia. A North Korean cargo ship seized after being used to smuggle heroin into Australia was sunk Thursday when the Australian Air Force used the vessel for target practice. The Australian Federal Police said the freighter Pong Su was towed out of Sydney Harbour earlier this week, then destroyed Thursday by a bomb dropped from an F-111 jet fighter and sank 140... Huh? 14,090 miles off the coast of New South Wales State. I don't know. I don't know what they... Um... The vessel was seized in 2003 after being used to smuggle in more than 275 pounds of heroin. 
It had anchored off the southwestern Victoria state town of Lorne, while the drug haul was carried ashore by a dinghy. Last month, a jury cleared the ship's captain, three officers of involvement in an international drug ring. The crew also have been cleared of drug charges. Charges against the remainder of the ship's crew were dropped in 2004. What, so everybody gets away with this? It was not immediately clear if the North Koreans have been reported, uh, deported, sorry, deported. Four men who were involved in transporting the drugs from the ship to the shore pleaded guilty to drug charges. Uh, two have been sentenced to 22 and 23 years in prison, and two more are awaiting sentence. Their nationalities were not released. Um, I would think it would be North Korean, though. The Australian government and U.S. State Department have said the case reinforces suspicions that the North Korean government deals in drugs to prop up its failed economy. The reclusive communist state, however, strongly denies such allegations. They would. Police commander Frank... Prendergast said the sinking of the ship showed Australia's resolve to fight drug trafficking. Hmm. Well, you know, it's good money and all that. I'm kidding. Next one. This is some odd news. Finding drunks in a bar. What are the chances? San Antonio, Texas. This is brought to you by Reuters. Reuters, however you want to say it. Texas has begun sending undercover agents into bars to arrest drinkers for being drunk. A spokeswoman for the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission said on Wednesday the first sting operation was conducted recently in a Dallas suburb where agents infiltrated 36 bars and arrested 30 people for public intoxication, said the commission's Carolyn Beck. Being in a bar does not exempt one from the state laws against public drunkenness, Beck said. The goal, she said, was to detain drunks before they leave a bar and go do something dangerous like drive a car. We feel that the only way we're going to get at the drunk driving problem and the problem of people hurting each other while drunk is by crackdowns like this, she said. There are a lot of dangerous and stupid things people do when they're intoxicated other than get behind the wheel of a car, Beck said. People walk out into traffic and get run over. People jump off balconies trying to reach a swimming pool and miss. She said the sting operations would continue throughout the state. Well, I think that's pretty good. I mean, so what if it's a bar? It's still a public place. You know? Don't drink so much. Putting everybody else's life in danger. Next. Scientists study how bird flu spreads. Yeah, we're back to bird flu again. I keep updating you every time. It's the third update on the bird flu. Uh, this is brought to you by the Associated Press. New York. Scientists say they found a reason bird flu isn't spreading easily from person to person. The virus concentrates itself too deep in the respiratory tract to be spewed out by coughing and sneezing. But the virus could change that behavior by genetic mutation, taking a step toward unleashing a worldwide outbreak in, of lethal flu. Experts said the new finding doesn't indicate how likely such a pandemic is. The virus may also need other mutations to take off in the human population, they said. Still, the work suggests a particular sign to watch for in new virus samples to help gauge the danger to humans. The work reported in Thursday's issue of the journal Nature comes from University of Wisconsin-Madison virologist uh, Yoshihiro Kawaoka with colleagues in Japan. Similar results from the Erasmus Medical Center in Rotterdam, the Netherlands, 
uh, will be published online Thursday by the journal Science. These are real original names for journals. Um, more than 180 people are known to have been infected with the bird flu virus H5N1. Virtually all are believed to have caught it from infected poultry. The scientists have long warned that the virus, which is prone to mutation, could transform itself into a version that spreads easily from person to person. That germ could touch off a pandemic. Well, they like to strike fear into our hearts, don't they? Ordinary flu viruses spread when an infected person coughs or sneezes, blasting out tiny droplets, carrying the germ to others. For that to happen, the virus has to be perched in the right places to be ejected by a cough or sneeze. The new, the new work suggests H5N1, by contrast, infects humans too low in the respiratory tract for that to occur. Both research teams used human tissue removed from various parts of the respiratory tract the region from the nose to the lung, the study where the virus infection occurs. Scientists already knew that the bird flu viruses use a specific kind of docking site to enter cells they infect. Um, while human viruses use a different one, Kabaoka's group found the bird virus docking site appears mostly on lung cells, which being rare on cells found in higher areas like the nose and windpipe, uh, while being rare. Those higher areas were dominated instead by the human-type docking site. Kaloka said that for the H5N1 to become a pandemic virus, it would have to mutate into uh, in a way that lets it attach to the same docking site human viruses use. Other mutations would be needed as well, he said in a statement. Robert M. Krug of the University of Texas at Austin called Kaloka's work an important observation and said that if H5N1 begins to use the human virus docking site, quote, We've got a lot to worry about, end quote. It's not clear whether that would be enough to produce a pandemic germ, he said. James Paulson of the Scripps Research Institute in La Jolla, California, stressed that other viral factors may be important in human-to-human transmission, but he said that once the virus has a foothold in a person, regardless of where it is in the respiratory tract, it may mutate to gain the abilities it needs to start spreading among people. Well, I'm trying to keep you updated on this bird flu stuff here. Just to let you know. Keep track of this pandemic. Supposedly. It's supposed to kill off all of America and the whole wide world, but, you know, apparently just 103 people. Anyway, that's the end of the news. Stay away from birds. Don't pluck them. No. Should be alright. And don't sneeze on people. That ends the news for today. Reminisce? Reminisce. What's on today's list? I don't know. I thought about, uh. Darkwing Duck. Does anybody remember that cartoon? I think it was pretty cool. I used to watch DuckTales. That was, like, my life. This was... This is going back, you know, quite a few years. Two or three, anyway. And then they came out with Darkwing Duck, and I remember the night it first aired, and... Yeah. That was pretty sweet. I love that cartoon. Really funny. Yeah, well... They should play those cartoons instead of these psycho demon ones they play now. Good old cartoons. Darkwing Duck. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Quick quotes and fast facts. 
that's where we're at. What's the quick quote for today? Today's quick quote is by Francis Bacon. Quote, truth is so hard to tell, it sometimes needs fiction to make it plausible. Hmm. Yep. Francis Bacon said that. That's our quote for the day. Fast facts. Got quite a bit of reading for this one. So, here's the fast facts for the day. thought this would be pretty interesting. The spooky Lincoln-Kennedy coincidences. Just some funny coincidences. Lincoln was elected president in 1860, having been elected to Congress in 1846. Kennedy was elected president in 1960, having been elected to Congress in 1946. Both presidents were directly concerned in civil rights for black people. Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln. Both presidents were shot in the head from behind, and both presidents were with their wives when they were assassinated. Both assassinations took place on a Friday, and both presidents were warned that they might be assassinated, but both refused to change their schedules. Both wives had lost children while living at the White House. Lincoln was shot in a theater by a man who hid in a warehouse. Kennedy was shot from a warehouse by a man who hid in a theater. Kennedy was riding in a Lincoln when he was shot. Lincoln's assassin, John Wilkes Booth, was a Southerner in his 20s. Kennedy's assassin, Lee Harvey Oswald, was a Southerner in his 20s. Both assassins were known by their three names. Booth and Oswald were both shot before they could be tried. Lincoln was succeeded by his vice president, Andrew Johnson, who was born in 1808. Kennedy was succeeded by his vice president, Lyndon Johnson, who was born in 1908. So both had the last name Johnson, both born in 08. Lincoln and Kennedy each had seven letters in their name. John Wilkes Booth and Lee Harvey Oswald each had 15 letters in their names. Andrew Johnson and Lyndon Johnson each had 13 letters in their names. And that's the Fast Facts for today. Uh, okay, it's time for Skyscraper, part of the show where I read part of my story. We are up to Chapter 2. We left off where he has met the Fat Man. Fat Man gave him a job to look after the woman, Miss Lindrit. Keep her out of the way while he takes care of business. So we begin Chapter 2 of After the Fat Man. What, will, what was it with women? They're moody and sometimes rude, but a guy will kill you just for getting a little too close to her. Rose was sitting at the table across from me at the top drawer, smoking one of those cigarettes in a long holder. I watched her as she talked to one of her friends about something of no importance. I got up and walked over to her table. Miss Lindrit, didn't think I'd see you again. Hmm, likewise, she said, making a slight frown. Mind if I have a seat? Not at all. 
over at your table. I sat down at hers. What is it you want, Mr. Manton? Just a little of your time. Or is the life of the swells too busy to make time? She gave me an angered look. Not at all. What do you want? Ever heard of a fella called the Fat Man? No. What's that have to do with anything? A lot, if you knew of him. The waiter came with the bill. It's on me, Angel. I paid it, got up and left. I wasn't one for idle chatter. I was waiting outside in my car for about 30 minutes when she came out. She grabbed a cab and I followed her. Five miles later, the cab pulled over and me behind him. She paid the cabbie and walked into an apartment building. I got out and followed. She made her way up to the fifth floor and knocked on the door of room 540. The door opened and she went in. I walked to the door uh, and put my head against it and listened. I need to speak to the fat man, she said. He's busy, said a tall skinny Joe. He was ugly. I knew he was ugly because I looked through the keyhole and saw he was ugly. He was cleaning his gat when I looked in. Another tough was sitting on the couch reading the funny papers. It's important that I see him. Johnny Manton was asking me if I knew the fat man. What did you tell him? Well, that I didn't, of course. Now, are you going to let me see him or not? Yeah, you can see him. Just you wait there, see? He walked over to a door that led into the office, I presumed, knocked, and then entered. He came out after about five minutes and said she could see him now. I heard all that I was going to hear. I turned and walked back downstairs into my car. I drove back to the office and thought a while. It's time for the grub worm. Today's garden fact. The fact on snails. The largest land snail ever found was 15 inches long and weighed 2 pounds. Snails' bodies produce a thick slime. Because of this slime, they can crawl across the edge of a razor and not get hurt. Some snails have been known to live up to 15 years. Snails are hermaphrodites, which means that they have both male and female rep reproductive organs. Snails usually travel in irregular paths, often traveling in a circle. Snails reply mainly on their... Uh, Snails rely mainly on their sense of touch and smell when finding food because they have very poor eyesight. Snails cannot hear. Snails can retract one or both of their tentacles at a time. Because of the suction created by their slime, a snail can crawl upside down. Snails are nocturnal animals, animals which means they are more active at night. Garden snails mainly eat garden plants and vegetables, but they will also eat decaying plants and soil. The fastest snails are the speckled garden snails, which can move up to 55 yards per com, uh, per hour, compared to 23 per hour, 23 inches per hour of most land snails. Uh, garden snails breathe with lungs. And that's the end of Grubworm segment. And it's already that time. The end of our show. Thanks for listening. Hope, uh, hope these are getting better. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of new things. If you have any suggestions or, you know, ideas for the show, things you might want to hear on here that I'm not putting on, 
or that you don't like hearing that I am putting on here, um, email me at pooroldlu17 at yahoo.com. That's poor, P-O-O-R, underscore, O-L-D, underscore, L-U-1-7 at yahoo.com. Let me know what you think of the show, what you'd like to hear, wouldn't like to hear, whatever. Keep in touch. I'd like to hear from anybody. And that's all we have time for today. Thanks for listening to The Lion's Den. You guys have a great couple of days. Talk to you guys in a day or two. You've just been out of the lion's den. Thanks for listening. Oh, you know that really hurts.